Hey folks from the flight deck, this is your captain speaking. Welcome to the Tailwinds and Sunshine podcast, where we talk everything aviation. I am your host, Manny Ramirez. It's always a pleasure to have you on board. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, boys and girls, welcome back to the Tailwinds and Sunshine podcast. This is episode number six. It is part one of three of episode six because this time I have a guest. The first time we have a guest in the history of the Tailwinds and Sunshine podcast in a super extensive history, six episodes of this podcast. And I'm really excited to share the interview I conducted with my friend Daniel Sims. We sat on Thursday, and I thought really it was going to be like no more than an hour. We ended, No more than an hour. We, we ended up talking for over an hour and a half. So it seemed like a lot of content, so I decided to split into three episodes. So super excited to share this information with you. And I recorded this interview, this little chat we had when I was in Denver back on Thursday. I was up in the, I was working up there. He was in the Bay Area. And now I'm down in the Colorado Springs recording the rest of this episode. It's super nice. The weather is amazing down here. It's a little windy. But other than that, it's just gorgeous weather down in Colorado Springs. I'm about to head up to Denver again tomorrow for some more work up in the training department. And then it's on to Vegas. And then this boy is going to Kona, Hawaii. Woo! Yeah, we're going to go to Kona, Hawaii for a few days. And then going to head back to work. And... Going to be in the training department pretty much the rest of the month. So all of February and March, and I'm not going to start flying the line back until April when I'm going to really get and put a dent on my logbook. I really want to get out there and fly. But anyways, about my friend Daniel. So he followed in the footsteps of his aviation-loving grandmother. So he took his first flight in a small aircraft in the Bay Area and immediately fell in love with, with aviation, just like pretty much what I did. Actually, honestly, for me, it was a little bit different. As soon, I remember I flew in a Mexicana DC-10, and that's when I knew I was going to be a pilot. I was mesmerized by that, by that experience. Super excited back then as a kid, and I knew I was going to be a pilot. Anyways, but Daniel is now an ATP, so he's an air, airline transport pilot. He graduated from San Jose State University with an aviation degree, and he has flown across the country to compete against some of the best pilots in North America. He was part of the precision flight team of San Jose, San Jose's aviation department. And now he has over five years of flight, flying experience. He currently works as an airline, uh, airline transport pilot, uh, transport pilot work, uh, flying cargo all over the world. And so super excited about that. I'm going to let's get started with this interview. Hope you like it. All right, beautiful people, welcome back to the Tailwinds and Sunshine podcast. With me is Daniel Sims. Hello. Daniel Sims, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yes, you're the official first guest of the podcast, so welcome to the show. Really, and uh, I'm so honored. Yeah, so thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate it. And I was really excited that you, were, that you wanted to be part of the show because I do have a lot of questions for you regarding your flying career. So... 
Daniel, I, uh, Daniel and I met at Sky West. So he went through the training department or he was going through training. And I believe I was your ground instructor. Do you remember? Because I'm, I'm fuzzy. What's what, what was what was that? What, what, what was I instructing? That's right. You were uh, I was it was like a systems class and um, you were I, we were just learning systems at the time. And that was definitely the, one of the hardest classes for me. But uh, uh, you guys made it easy. So. <laughs> was i the instructor for the two weeks or was it just one week do you remember i think it was two weeks yeah two weeks of was it the full two weeks yeah yeah well it was like a week and a half i think and then we had like a couple of days off yeah so it's the ground footprint at the time that you passed by was monday through friday week one and then week two was monday through friday with the systems validation at the end yeah yep there you go refreshing your memory so so now Daniel obviously went through, he has now moved on to greater things from SkyOS. He went on to move on with his career, but he has a really interesting background that I want to uh, ask him about. So right now, Daniel, as I said before, I give you uh, the introduction. Daniel is a graduate and alum from the, uh, from San Jose state university. Is that right? That's right. All right. And now tell us about, um, I know you were part of the precision flight team at San Jose. Yeah. So what got you, what, what got you interested in that? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I didn't, I actually started off uh, studying mechanical engineering in university and didn't really have much of a desire or really knowledge on, um, what it took to become a pilot. Um, but, uh, as soon as I switched over my degree and my studies to aviation, um, I was kind of looking at ways to get plugged in and, um, I had a couple of friends who were part of the precision flight team, and it sounded like a lot of fun. Um, so I kind of looked into it, uh, attended, uh, you know, the first club meetings and such, and uh, I I just got hooked. Uh, after that first year, we uh, I think my very first time <clears throat> or very first season at the uh, on the flight team, we went to compete uh, in nationals. Uh, against other flight schools across the U.S., so it, it was a it was a blast, honestly. Nice. And now, when I think of competitions, and you said nationals, is there like a competition or competitions you have to pass? Like there are regionals that you compete within the region, and then go to nationals. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, the season is once every six months, essentially, and so every six months you. Every team practices for their regional qualifiers, um, and then you go. Uh, if you place high enough in the regional competition, then you qualify for the national competition, um, and then uh, and then from there you get placed. Um, but there are lots of different competing events, um, and it's it's actually quite impressive and in how many there are there are landing competitions there are uh, simulator competitions there are cross-country planning competitions there are pre-flighting competitions and then you have a couple of fun ones like um, um, message drop competitions where you fly over a couple of buckets and you drop wooden bricks and try and get them in the in the buckets so nice yeah, it's definitely a blast. There's lots of different areas. And, you know, not everyone on the team is competing in every single one of those areas. We, we kind of divide and conquer. So we each we would each practice in our uh, practice for one or two events. OK, so then you, you would put your 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 uh, your strongest people on a certain um, area. So like 
exactly yeah yeah what was your favorite oh my favorite um it would probably be the ifr um event uh so the one i um competed in i actually got first place in the ifr event um and i would train other uh students um in that event too and it consisted of just hopping in a simulator and they would give you a piece of paper that would have you fly a certain heading a certain uh altitude or it would require a certain vertical uh rate of climb um and that would change and those you know those three categories would change every like 15 to 30 seconds or so and so you would have to start a timer and there was you wouldn't be able to look outside or anything you just had your instrument panel and they would start the timer and you would have to follow this pattern so you're basically flying a racetrack in the sky but just using your instruments and then at the end of a total of like maybe four minutes they would stop the timer and whoever flew the racetrack as close to what was on that piece of paper um got the most points nice now do you feel like being part of the uh the precision flight team did you use any of that knowledge as an instructor to include into your training with uh, with 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 your students yeah i mean it definitely helped um you know flying those ifr events you had to have pretty sharp instrument skills um because it, it definitely i mean all of the competition or i should say most of the competitions really tested your your um, flying skills um but i would you know in overall being an instructor and actively teaching as an instructor is um quite different than the competitions uh that we would come you know compete in because there's so much more to like when you're teaching a student you have to teach a student about you know federal regulations and um just some more practical things you know some aspects that just aren't covered in in the uh competitions that we would do and so who was your biggest rival in the area for san jose <laughs> so that would uh that was uh riddle Embry riddle really and, uh, yeah so Embry riddle has two campuses one um in prescott arizona and make sure you say prescott not prescott i know i know they yes I, knew, I, found, <laughs> I found that out yeah because when i was when i was younger when i was like uh late teens early 20s I wanted to go to Embry Riddle. That was like my dream school that I wanted to go to, yeah. and uh, I knew that there was one, and I used to call it Prescott or Prescott. And soon yep. I found out it was not Prescott; it's Prescott. Oh, In fact, yeah. I had uh, I have a friend who actually pushed me to be a pilot to become an airline pilot, and he graduated from uh, from Riddle. And so I, you know, he was kind of my mentor for many years and I wanted to go to Amber Riddle, but that dream died because <laughs> when I was doing my flight training, it, you know, it was shortly after uh, 9-11. Yeah. So with the hiring and how everyone was just not flying, all the instructors were just struggling to get by. And so I'm like, yeah, anyways, I digress. But yeah, I wanted to go to Embry Riddle. And so that was the biggest. And, and it seems so that that sounds like that seems like a pretty big area or region like i would think that san jose like their closest rival would be somewhere in california well so funny enough i think there's only i want to say like two or three i think there's no there's three like aviation flight schools in california i'm not entirely sure on that but um when we would go to regionals it, it they would group aviation schools from maybe like three or four different states depending on how many schools are in you know aviation flight schools are in each state Right, uh, and then, 
and then those you know those schools from those states would compete against each other so you know regionals did um include several states and now what you also did something else for for the team tell us about that um well i was a uh financial uh or sorry their treasurer while i was there yeah um so that we had different roles uh, on the flight team we would have a captain a uh a co-captain and then a treasurer and then i can't remember the other roles now but um i just basically managed the the finances of the team and um we basically ran off of donations and um school funding and so it was my job to make sure that uh money was going where it needed to be going and um that we had you know the funds to to accomplish everything Sometimes I was very often the the hand that slapped, you know, the other, um, like the captain or the co-captain when they wanted to to spend excess money on something that we couldn't really afford. And how many team members comprise the uh, the precision flight team? Um, it changes every semester, um, but I'd say on average, I don't know, maybe about twenty people or so, or fifteen people. Okay, fifteen people or so. And now when you a, a competition. So you say there's different uh, areas that you guys compete in. A competition. Do you guys have a an event where you do all of the events in one day, or how does a comp a, a competition look like? Um, so when we go to the actual like regional competition, so NIFA event, um, it's a like a four day uh, competition event where they'll try and get as many of the events done with, you know, in the first day and then as many done in the second day, they just schedule it out so that, um, they, we just spread out all the, the events between like four days or something. Um, and sometimes weather can, um, mess with the schedule. So some events are indoors, like the cross country planning. Some events are outdoors, like the landing competitions where you're actually flying the planes. Um, so they, I think they normally try and get the outdoor events done first, mm. um, just in case we get any bad weather rolling through. Right. And how how long does usually a competition last? Just like a multi-day depending on weather or is it the goal is to kind of get them out, the competition done in one day? Um, it's a, so each event um, would last, it wouldn't take a full day. It would just take maybe three or four hours depending on the event. Um but since there were so many events, it would take them about like four days to get through all the events. Oh, okay. And did you take, was there a, a designated location where you guys do the competitions or would it be like a home game or away game for, for you guys? Exactly. It's more like the home and away type games where um, the competitions would be hosted by a certain flight school, um, usually a flight school that's competing. Mm. So they would um, just host it at a local airfield. Um, San Jose State actually hosted uh, competitions uh, at Reed Hillview Airport a few times, but um, because of all the noise complaints oh that uh, we get at that airport now, yeah, <laughs> we just we just uh, it's been harder to to host yeah. in recent years. But people, if you're gonna com- if you're gonna move closer to the airport, do not complain about the noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's like uh, John Wayne. Uh, the airport has been there for decades and people move in there. And now because of complaints, we have all these super complex noise abatement procedures out of John Wayne, you know, so we have to abide by the 
wishes of the rich people that live, uh, you know, in Balboa and Newport Beach. And so, yeah, yeah. If you don't want airplane noise, don't move close to an airport, people. Jeez, honestly, yeah. yeah. I mean, Reed Hillview Airport's been there for for forever since like all the housing development uh, was built around there. Yeah. Um, but I can also part of me kind of understands where people are coming from because airplanes can be kind of loud, and you know, some are born into you know their generation, and then they they live in their parents' houses there, and they you know didn't ask for it. So I I can. You know, part of me understands where they're coming from. I see. So, I so. guess I'm just I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're you're the nicer one. I'd be like, just don't, just move out. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, you're right. If if you grew into it and it wasn't your choice, and yeah, I can see that. I guess we can have yeah, arguments yeah. for both. Right on. And how how do you join the precision flight team? Um, just by attending the first meeting. Well, you have to be um, a San Jose State um, student, so currently attending the the university since it is a a um a club at the university but uh you just gotta attend some of the meetings and um and then the officers will get you plugged in all right sounds good and now is is there a uh there are minimum requirements for it uh or like you said you mentioned you have to be part of the school but there are any like flight time requirements you have to have no so we would actually even have um non-pilots come and and compete with us as long as you know we just ask that you would have a passion for aviation um because it is you know effort that you need to put in and some hard work mm-hmm. um and people might not have the money to afford flight training for the moment and they don't have a pilot certificate but hey as long as um as long as you're willing to put in the effort we can we'll find an event where you can compete in like cross-country flight planning you're not actually flying a plane for that one so we can uh train you for that oh, that's cool and as far as do you guys have a specific fleet of airplanes just for these competitions or the school would just let you borrow the planes so uh the way it works is actually um that there has been a club that's been made um it's not affiliated with san jose state university mm-hmm. um but it the aircraft are um only rented out to san jose uh state current students and alumni so it's kind of interesting and um they're able to keep the prices pretty low surprisingly enough and uh so it works out pretty well um and those are the aircraft that we would fly to competition to and from competition and what did the fleet consist Um, of it was a uh cessna 172 and two cessna 152s back when i was going there um but uh, i think Unfortunately, they just had a student pilot uh, total one of their 152s, so now they're down to a fleet of two. Oh no! <laughs> and so, you did yeah. you have to pay for these planes out of the funds of the club or the uh, the team? Uh, so you would have to you would pay for the flight time out of your own pocket. Oh, yeah, just like any other flight school, you would pay for flight time. That's what you would do. So you basically have to pay for, to compete. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. That can get uh, that. That seems like it can get get pricey, right? If you want to be so, you guys would pool funds to do this competition then yeah exactly so most of um the money would come from donations and from um school funds and so that would help pay for most of it um but you know what would what was left over and usually the flight time would just be paid off by the students themselves um but it was worth it because the the flights to and from cal you know from california to wisconsin or you know these long cross-country flights across you know the entire u.s were just you know, a once in a lifetime experience. 
some of the best flying I've ever done, I think. Yeah, I bet. Now, did you guys do fundraisers for to raise money? We would, yeah. So we would go to events uh, to promote the school. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know. You guys sell cookies? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No Boy Scout type activities, unfortunately. No, no. Okay. So we talked about planes, about the fleet in the Precision Flight Team at San Jose, a 172, now just a one. 50 or a 152 you said yeah so now they have a uh, cessna 172 and a cessna 152 so just down to two planes now and there you have it that concludes part one of three of episode six if you want to follow daniel you can follow him on instagram at cfi daniel again that's cfi daniel or you can visit his website at cfi daniel.com that's cfi daniel.com don't worry if you didn't copy that down you can find all the links in the show notes next episode we're going to be talking about our favorite airplanes and the triple seven, which is the airplane that Daniel is going to be flying now. Also, he's going to share his experience in the 121 world, his experience at Skywest training. And also he's going to give us tips on how to su- succeed and survive airline operations training for all of you pilots out there that are now commercial pilots and moving on to airline travel. This and more on the next episode. See you there. Hey, fellow aviation enthusiasts. Before I let you go, I'd like to ask you for a huge favor. If you could please go to the platform where you're listening this podcast in and leave a review, some feedback, and some comments. I really do appreciate that. I want to make the Tailwinds and Sunshine podcast your podcast. I also want to give a huge thanks to my friends and coworkers that have shared the podcast with their friends and family. That means the world to me. I really appreciate your support and your subscriptions. If you want to reach out to me, you can email me at Manny, the CFI at gmail.com, or you can message me directly on Instagram at climbvx. That's C L I M B as in Bravo, B as in Victor, X Ray. You can reach me there with your suggestions or any feedback. Once again, thank you for the bottom of my heart. I appreciate the support. And until next episode, I wish you tailwinds and sunshine. See ya. The statements made on the show are my own opinion and do not necessarily reflect those of my employer.